All right, take your Bible with me tonight and turn to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, and we, last time we were here, we saw the new song of Hannah and uh, how God delivered her. We saw the things that she praised God for. She praised him for who he was, how he was the rock that, that wasn't going to move. He was our redeemer. He's our salvation. And now we continue into the rest of chapter 2, and that narrative quickly switches it switches to two contrasting narratives, one between the sons of Eli and one, uh, one narrative talking about Samuel as he's growing up in the temple. And I want to open here tonight by reading three verses, one from the beginning of, of the, this section and two from later on, and then we'll turn around and we'll kind of fly over and uh, see the bigger picture that God wants us to get out of this passage here tonight. Could you stand with me, if you would? Stand with me for the reading of God's Word. I know I don't normally have you do that, but I want to have a people that's awake here tonight. So I'm going to try this. Stand with me, if you would, for the reading of God's Word, and we'll start reading in verse 12. <clears throat> now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. And skip down to verse 29. And this is where Eli is being talked to. He's being rebuked by the man of God. Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore, the Lord of God of Israel saith, I said indeed that, the, that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me. For them that honor me will I honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. You may be seated. God demands the highest place of honor in our lives. And this, this passage tells us right here that if we don't give him that highest place, we're lightly esteemed. It means that, that God is saying that, that we're, not, we're, we're not in the right relationship with him like we should be. And that, this doesn't mean that ourselves, our, our relationship with God, that, that we're worthless to him. But he says that our relationship, because we've put someone or something in a place where he is, our, our relationship to him becomes as worthless. Giving honor and respect to something or someone above God is sin. Giving honor to something or someone above God is sin. And we see that happening right here in a preacher's home. Eli was kind of in that realm of a pastor, almost. He was the high priest, the one who was responsible for overseeing the work of the house of God and bringing people into worship of God. And he had his sons. So the title of the message tonight is The Preacher's Worthless Kids. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your word tonight. Lord, would you take our hearts and uh, melt us tonight? Would you mold us with your word? Or we need it. We're desperate for it. And Lord, for 
uh, for us who came in tonight that, that are, are battered from the day. Lord, I pray that you would refresh us, but Lord, give us hope and, and teach us tonight from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The preacher's worthless kids. Now, I'm not saying that all preacher's kids are worthless, okay? All right, but these ones sure fit the boot. Uh, these ones absolutely were the epitome of worthless. God had given Eli and his sons the great responsibility of overseeing the temple at this time in history and given them the, the, line, of their, the line of Levi, his family, was responsible for uh, offer, uh, helping the children of Israel come into a closer walk with God. This was a high calling. This was a, it was a wonderful thing. But in this case, it was a calling that was being neglected and defiled. Eli and his sons had given honor to other things. And as you read down through this passage, as we will do here in just a moment, they had given honor to other things and other pleasures above God. For Eli, it was maybe an unknowing thing at first. But for his sons, it was outright defilement of the worship of God. If you look down in verse 12 that we just read a moment ago, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. And in this verse, this short verse, it tells us two things about those sons. Two very sad things. Number one, that they were sons of Belial. And uh, in our terminology today, if you looked up the word Belial, you would see the word devil. And uh, it, it would be children of the devil, sons of the devil. But in the Hebrew word Belial, it means worthless. And so in the, in the time of the, that this was written, this would be translated sons of worthlessness. Absolutely worthless. They were supposed to be people that were leading people into the worship of, of God that God had chosen for this specific work. And God says, you're worthless to me because of your sin. We find out a second thing. They didn't know God at the end of that verse. They didn't know him. You say, wait, these, these are the very guys tasked with bringing the children of Israel, the people, into close fellowship with God, and they didn't know God themselves? Yes. And sadly, today in America, across our nation, there's several leaders like that, leaders of churches that are tasked with bringing people into a close relationship with God that don't know God any, any, any themselves. Leaders in the home that are tasked with bringing their families closer to God, and they don't have a close relationship with God themselves. They've fallen into the same trap that these, these boys and their father did of giving honor to something or someone above God. They developed idols in their life that kept them and their family from knowing God. So let's look at this first point here tonight. I've got three points here from this passage that we're going to look at, and I think we're going to, we're going to find something, uh, something key here about the, these men and their contrast with Samuel. Look at verse 13. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice... The priest servant came while the flesh was seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand. And he struck it into a pan or kettle or cauldron 
or pot, all the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither. Now this was the custom here. The, 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 these men were to wait for the offering of the Lord according to Leviticus, specifically Leviticus 7, of this peace offering that was being made before the Lord. And as the, 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 the Israelite and his family came before the Lord, they would offer this animal on the altar. And they were allowed to take two things. They were allowed to take a, a waved breast and a heaven, uh, heaven uh, shoulder, which gives the illustration that this was, this was happening after the ceremony had already taken place, after God had already been pleased. But that's not what these men were doing. Look for, at verse 15. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the, men that, the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to the roast for, for the priest, for he will not have sodden or boiled flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desireth. Then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it to me now, and if not, I will take it by force. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. This was what was happening with these men, this idolatry of Eli and his sons. They were putting something before the Lord. This, this offering that, that God had for them, that God was so good enough to say, here's a part of it, and this is for the high priest and his family. They were, they were being fed wonderfully. There were other people that would come to the temple that were begging bread of them. And yet, their family was well provided for. And these men said, no, it's, it's not enough. I'm going to seek my own, my own uh, wants. So there are two overarching idols that we find in the lives of Eli and his sons. The first, self-indulgence. Self-indulgence, that's the pursuit of pleasure. And the sons of Eli showed their pursuit of pleasure because they had no interest in the worship of Almighty God. They, 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 uh, they showed great indifference to God. And taking more than they should have of the offerings of the Lord. And uh, this was what Hophni and Phinehas were doing. They would come to these people, demand a portion of the offering, and thereby cause the one who is supposed to be offering a sacrifice of peace and praise to the Lord to an otherwise sin. What they were supposed to be covering, or, or the picture of covering, covering for their sin, it became treading on the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's, what, that's the first idol that these men had. The second way that the sun showed their pursuit of pleasure was by, number two, defiling the women that devoted their lives in the service of God. Look at verse 22 there. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now these weren't ladies that were Catholic nuns or anything like that, okay? That's not the picture that, that God is trying to give us. These were ladies that had devoted their lives to the service of the king. These were ladies that would come and serve the Lord in prayer and fasting. You say, well, do we see a picture of 
any of these ladies in action? We do. In the New Testament, Luke chapter 2 and verse 36 and following, we find a lady. She's serving alongside Simeon. Her name was Anna. And there she, would, she had devoted her life to fastings and prayers. And then she got to the great privilege of seeing Christ the very first time he came into the temple. And these are the types of women that the priests Hophni and Phinehas had, they thought good to seduce and, and destroy the service of the Lord because their idol was the pursuit of pleasure. Their idol was self-indulgence. They had a second idol, self-preservation. This is where Eli comes in. Eli was not willing to obey God. And if you look at verse 23 here, And he said unto them, Why do ye do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. He was starting to hear the reports. They were coming in, and they were telling Eli what had happened, these people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. Here, Eli, we see Eli rebuke his sons, but nothing else comes after that, because Eli knew what it should have cost him. He knew that the Old Testament law, because of what his sons had done, required them to be taken out and to be stoned. He knew that they should have been killed. But Eli's idol was self-preservation. He had a reputation to protect. And for the sons, they, didn't, they weren't at all grieved at all by their wrongdoing because if they, had, if they had followed the Lord's word, the Lord would have slain them. It would have been the right thing to do. But they weren't at all concerned about following the Lord's word because dad wasn't at all concerned about following the Lord's word. Why should they be? They were not willing to obey God. This reminds me of an illustration given in the book of Jeremiah, much later in Israel's history. But in Jeremiah chapter 13, the Bible tells us about Jeremiah the prophet. And he was told to take a linen girdle, a piece of cloth, a piece of clothing, and to go down to the, the river Euphrates. There God told him to put it in the hole of a rock and to leave it and, and walk away. And then, later on, Jeremiah returned. And, and as he returned to that river, he found the linen girdle that was placed in the hole of the rock, and it was marred. That's the word that the Bible used, ruined. It was marred. It was good for nothing. And this phrase here, good for nothing, after hearing that, the Lord wanted to illustrate what he would do to Israel. You get down to Jeremiah chapter 13 and verse 9. He says, Thus saith the Lord, After this manner will I mar the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people which refuse to hear my words, which walk after the imagination of their heart, which walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them, this people shall even be as this girdle which is good for nothing. God was going to destroy them because of their pride. Refuse to hear my words. That sounds like Eli's sons. They started walking after the imagination of their heart, and they chose to walk after another god 
themselves. While this message took place later in Israel's history, the same thing was happening right then in the office of the priest. You might not be a preacher or a preacher's son here tonight, but God wants your idols destroyed just as badly. God doesn't, he's, he's not going to put up for it. He's jealous of your honor. He's, he's not going to have you honor someone above him and, and have you be in a successful relationship with him. That doesn't work that way. God wants your honor above all else. And the idols that kept Eli and his sons from doing that were absolutely, absolutely, sh- should have been, they should have been killed. But we see a contrasting verse, a contrasting narrative happening all throughout this, verse after verse, in between different sections here. And it starts in verse 11. Look at verse 11. We'll back all the way up. And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house. And the child, that's Samuel, did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Look at verse 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord being a child girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year. And when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice, and Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman, for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went unto their home. And afterwards, the Lord blesses Hannah with five more children. It's pretty amazing. Three sons and two daughters. And then one more time at the end of this passage, it mentions Samuel ministered unto the Lord in verse 26. He was one that was chosen by God. He was the chosen priest by God. Why, why, was this, why did this happen? At three years of age, how was he like this? His parents didn't have idols in their life like Eli's sons did. They had influence in his life. The influence of a mother and father that honor God is an absolute transformation in the life of a young child. You know, mothers, as, as I can imagine Hannah did, she would go up year after year in joy to make that little coat to put on him. Year after year she would come and she would clothe her son again and again and again. And this wasn't the first time she did this. For three years, she had clothed her son. But not just physically. She had clothed him with the character every single day, the behavior, the temper, the tones of a mother that would carry him into the ministry of God. Do you know that right now, you're tasked with the responsibility of clothing your kids each day. They might know how to get dressed by themselves, okay? So I'm not talking about that. But whether you know it or not, each day you're clothing them by your temper, by your tones, with the character of honor or dishonor towards God. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's right. But do you realize that responsibility rests on you? That, 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 that influence that God's given you, 
those, those words, that conversation, those habits of daily devotion towards God, you are clothing your children every single day. And Hannah had clothed Samuel much in those first three years to make him a ready servant from the Lord. But I'm certain that that during those times where she came up year by year to clothe him physically, she was also taking every single opportunity to clothe him spiritually as well. She, was, she, was, she didn't care how wicked the society had become. She didn't care how, uh, about Hophni and Phinehas. I'm sure she knew about how they were, they were despising the offering of the Lord. She was focused on what God had given her. She was confident she had confident hope from the Lord that he would watch over her, her son. And this leads us to our final point. The, the inconsistency of Eli came at a great price. When Eli decided to do nothing about his sons, and the prophet of the Lord came to him, he told him that his disobedience had a great price. Look down at verse 27. Verse 27. And there came a man of God unto Eli, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give, did I give unto the house of thy father and all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel. Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice? Starts talking to Eli, and Eli's taken back. He maybe didn't understand exactly what he was doing, but he knew what he was doing now. He was treading on the very sacrifice of God by not disciplining his sons. Keep reading. Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation. And honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all, thine offering, of all the offerings of Israel, my people. You've robbed me by, by, by putting your honor in your sons above me. The sons he was trying to preserve, he ended up losing. Look at verse 33. Skip down there. And the man of thine, whom I shall not cut off from mine altar, shall be to consume thine eyes and to grieve thine heart, and all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. And this shall be a sign unto thee that, the, that shall come upon thee thy two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas, in one day they shall both die of them. God was going to take those two sons right from him. The ones that he was trying to preserve, he lost. God judged him and told him that his sons would die because of his family's sin. But secondly, the ministry that he was trying to preserve, he lost. God had gifted his line, the line of Levi, specifically Eli's family, with this task, with this work, of bringing people into worship of, with God, to bringing people into a real relationship with God. And what happened? Verse 30. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I indeed, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father sh should walk before me forever. 
But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me will I honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm, and the arm of thy father's house, and there shall, be, shall not be an old man in thine house. And skip down to verse 35 and 36. And I will raise me up a faithful priest, that's Samuel, that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left in thine house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread, and shall say, Put me, I pray thee, into one of the priest's offices that I might eat a piece of bread. The beggars that he saw every day, he's saying, your family line is going to become them. You had plenty. You were provided for. But because of how you've dishonored me, I'm jealous of your honor. I'm trying to bring you back into an honor with me. And I'm going to show you what I think about sin. And he judged him. And those sons did die. We'll see that later on. You say, Pastor, how does that apply to me tonight? I'm not in the office of a high priest. I don't have sons that are, that are destroying the, 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 the offering of the Lord. How does this apply to me? God might be trying to get your attention tonight and saying you've given your honor to some other idol, something or someone above God, and he's saying it's a sin. It's not just something to be regarded as something that hinders your relationship. It makes you absolutely worthless. Not you worthless to God. God still believes, he says in Ephesians, that you are righteousness and true holiness, but you have no power when you're not in a right relationship with God. Maybe the Lord's speaking tonight, and you're trying to juggle around different things. Man, maybe I should, I've got all this ministry, I've got this uh, busy housework, and then I've got my family. And God's trying to get your attention tonight, and he says, if you don't have, if you're not focusing on your family, if you're not nurturing your family, if you're not seeking me, then you're not going to know what to do. And if we start seeking Jesus, if we put him first, all these things will be added unto us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God's going to take care of the rest. God's going to tell you, he'll show you how to nurture your family in the midst of a busy life, in the midst of a absolutely wicked society. You don't have to worry about it. God will take care of that. But God demands your highest place of honor. Give honor to God, and he said, he will honor you. Let's pray.